welcome to the Hungry Authors Podcast. A hungry author is someone who is, quite simply, hungry for it. They're willing to do what it takes to achieve their writing dreams. If that resonates, you're in the right place. I'm Ariel. And I'm Liz. We're two book coaches, editors, and writers here to help you get there. We interview experts and chat about all things publishing and writing to educate and build a community of successful writers, whatever that means to you. Welcome. Let's get started. Hi, Hungry Authors. Welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about the work of getting traditionally published. Our last solo episode, which was episode eight, we made the argument that there's hope for small platforms. That platform is not all that matters when it comes to getting a book deal and lots of people get them with small platforms. That's a message we stand behind and love to share with people. But we want you to know that if you have a small platform, then you really will need a good idea and great writing. Because while platform isn't everything, it does still matter, especially when it comes to trying to sell your books. We explained thoroughly in that episode that it's about more than social media numbers and showing up in your email list. It has to do with distribution of your books and marketing it after it comes out. And that is work that is never finished. Yeah, we heard back from some authors and some people who had listened to episode eight, and they came to me and said, great, I'm so excited. This is so encouraging. I don't have a platform, and now I have permission to stop trying. Of course, that's not the case, and I want to make sure, and we want to make sure that that's really clear, that platform doesn't have to be an obstacle. I think we've made that point now, but it still takes a lot of work to get your ideas noticed. And you are still the person who is most responsible for getting your ideas out into the world. My old boss, Erin Knoll, she's an executive editor at Corwin Press. She said, it's the publisher's job to sell your book, but it's your job to sell your idea. And that is so true. It has never been more true than today's publishing climate. It's not enough to say, hey, I've got this amazing idea and I've got incredible writing. Now I can sit back and relax. That is not the hungry author's way. If you look at people with big platforms like Ryan Holiday or Jenna Kutcher, they hustle to get the word out about their books for months. They are so good at that. Every time Ryan Holiday has a new book come out, he has this beautiful landing page where he gets pre-orders and he goes on all these podcasts and he does all these speaking engagements and he buys tons of copies of the book to give to other people. If people with massive platforms like Ryan Holiday are continuing to do that kind of work, imagine how much work you are also going to have to do to get the word out there about your ideas. You cannot be complacent. If you don't have a platform, that's okay. You can still get a book deal, but you're going to have to work hard no matter what. And that willingness to work hard is part of what makes you a hungry author. So if you go back and listen to our very first episode, all about the hungry author's mindset, and we talked about hungry authors have that drive and they have that hunger, and they're not going to let anything stop them from getting the word out about their book. We are going to be starting a new series about the work of getting traditionally published because we want to dive into what does that work look like? You're going to be hearing from us as well as from um, some people that we are interviewing in the coming weeks to talk through each of these pieces. 
What we don't want the takeaway to be is, oh, I don't have to try now because platform doesn't matter. Yeah, it still takes work. Our message is equally that it's very possible for anybody to do this, but it does take work. And so you need a plan and there's a lot of pieces to that plan. And we're gonna walk through it. So yeah, we're starting a series, the work of getting traditionally published. That starts with honing your idea. We're gonna do an episode dedicated exclusively to this, but an overview is basically honing your idea starts with finding the right genre. Where does your book fit on the shelf? Who's it gonna sit beside? Finding your audience, defining who your reader is, what they are gonna get from your book at every single turn in your publishing journey, especially if you traditionally publish, people are going to ask you who your book is for and you need to have a good answer to that. And it's not everybody. You need an angle on your topic and a connection to a universal theme. Publishers are looking for books that sell well for a long time and are also topical, that they can market today because they're relevant to something going on. And they also want to be able to continue selling it five years from now and not have it be completely obsolete. Um, That's what they call backlist potential. We're going to be talking about walking the tricky line of what does that mean? How do you write something that is popular and kind of hot today, but also sells well from many, many years from now, which is what we all want. And by the way, how authors and publishers make money. It's that long tail, you know, the ones that like spike real quick and sell a bunch and then completely peter out. They don't actually make people that much money. The ones that keep selling for years and years and years, even if it's a slow burn, those are the ones that are making money both for the publisher and for the author and royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about how to do that. We will use a fun formula that our friend Jeff Goins taught us and has been teaching publicly for a long time now. Everybody thinks X, but the truth is Y. That's something you can use to help figure out and tweak your idea. And there's a lot that goes into coming up with an idea. Everything, everybody's publishing journey starts there, right? Almost always you have an idea, whether it like came to you 10 years ago, or you've been thinking about it since you were a kid, or all of a sudden it just like hit you in the middle of a walk one day, it starts with an idea and that's great. But there's a lot of refining that goes into this process. And if you don't have an idea and you still want to be a writer just because you like to write, which by the way, was my entire story for most of my life. I never knew exactly what I wanted to write about. I just have always loved writing. Maybe that's why I went into ghostwriting because I didn't have my own ideas. But you can go mining for ideas. We have lots of tips and tricks for you to figure out what your thing is. Where is there a gap in the market? You can go and do some actual work to kind of figure out how do I come up with an idea that's salient and that people are looking for. Yeah. So the next piece that we're going to talk about is coming up with a strong plan for your book. And when we say plan, we mean a great outline. It should feel intuitive to your reader. It should feel logical. It should feel like, of course, this chapter comes after the last chapter because there's this guiding formula and there's this guiding logic to your book that makes it feel like a beautiful, natural progression. And that does not come naturally. The end result feels very natural for the reader, but it's actually the result of a lot of hard work 
on the front end from the author. And we have a masterclass that we have taught on that called book mapping. And you can get the recording of that masterclass on our website, hungryauthors.com. But that is something that we teach often. Um, and we've also written an article on that in Jane Friedman's blog, which we can link to in the show notes. But book mapping is such a core component of what we teach and what we believe and what we see as an element of success for books that get signed is that they have a great plan. They follow that structure that makes so much sense and feels like just a gift to your reader. And this is also where people go wrong a lot is they don't spend enough time here, which is part of why Ariel and I are so passionate about it is that the organization and structure and thought that goes into your book before you even start writing is work that so many people skip. And by the way, work that a publisher and editor can tell immediately that you did not do. Yes. Oh, that's so true. Actually, just on Ryan Holiday's podcast the other day, I heard him quote Eisenhower, who said something like, plans fall apart, but planning is everything. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that doing the mental work of exploring different different possible structures for your book, that is one way that you're going to strengthen the idea and you're going to come up with a convincing plan that's going to convince publishers that you know what you're doing. Yep. Refine your writing. That's another topic we're going to cover and a piece of this puzzle. Hopefully, if you want to be an author and identify as a writer in any way, you should get good at writing. This is a harder one to talk about. It's subjective and there's a lot. It's a creative endeavor, art. And that means it's comes with a lot of opinions and people have preferences. I somewhat originally think that Hemingway was not that good of a writer. I know, hot take, but I don't like his writing that much. (laughs) And most of the history of people in America disagree with me, but writing is subjective. I'm sure there's lots of great successful writers that have people who don't like their writing. But if you want to be a writer, you have to be committed to your craft and basically write a lot. People who are committed to this read a lot of books both just in general, whatever kind of books you like to read, the more that you read, the better writer you are almost naturally. And you also read books on writing. There are lots of books that teach craft, everything from, you know, like a a more higher level view of what good writing is and what it does down to sentence structure and grammar and flow. There's all kinds of great books on that. Hungry authors are constantly learning about how to get better in that way. Um, reading masters of the craft, learning from them, taking classes. There's all kinds of classes online about strengthening your writing in a different way, peer feedback. So you can write something and you can pass it around, which is great. But you can also practice writing a lot in public. Pitch articles to different places, write on Medium. That's completely free. You don't need anybody's permission. Start a blog. Good writers write a lot in public. Get bylines. That's another way if you want to get some editing. You know, if you pitch something to a place that's got an editor, they're going to give you a review. They're going to give you some feedback, get you experienced with that process a little bit. And that's going to make you a better writer all around. And this is, you know, when you begin your journey to seek traditionally publishing, 
editors and agents are going to look for this kind of stuff. They're going to look, have you been writing anywhere? Like, are you out there at all doing this, practicing and getting eyes on your work in any way? That's what professionals do. They practice in public and it can feel vulnerable. I mean, Ariel and I have done built, this is like how we built our entire careers is you just get out there and you start trying and you get better each time. So if you're committed to your craft of writing, you got to start writing and let people see it. And that was something that we saw as a quality of people who got book deals, even when they didn't have a lot of followers on social media. So if you listened to episode eight, you heard us talk about, you know, Publishers Marketplace and kind of the data that we had found from Publishers Marketplace. And in an analysis of the authors who got book deals, a lot of them, over 40%, did not have uh, a lot of social media followers. Mm -hmm. However, those people did usually have a lot of bylines. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And we just taught a masterclass on editing your work um, as well. So that's something else that you could buy on our website um, if you're interested in improving your own editing and your own craft is learning how to edit your work. So the next piece is understanding your competition and how you can contribute to the conversation around your topic in a new way. I like to imagine that you are walking into a room with a bunch of tables and there's conversations happening at all of these tables and you go to the table on your favorite topic and you're not just going to, you know, plop yourself down at the table and start shouting your opinions out there to the world, right? That would make no sense. And everyone else at the table would be like, what are you doing? Please <laughs> leave our table. Mm -hmm. But you are going to sit down. You're going to listen carefully to everyone else at the table. You're going to really deeply understand their unique opinions and their perspectives. And then you're going to say, huh, I do have something unique and interesting and a little bit different to add to this conversation now I'm ready to contribute thoughtfully and carefully and, you know, conscientiously. And that's what we're doing when we get to know the competition for our books. We're essentially, you know, reading and understanding this broader conversation that's already been happening around your topic. And you are reflecting on how you can contribute something really new and different to that. So we're going to talk more about that as well in coming weeks. Yeah. And this basically shows that, you know, the market. You know the market for your book. You understand you're tapped into the zeitgeist. All of this will impress agents and editors when you start to approach them, which is next up. We've got how to find the right agent. So this involves a lot of research, sleuthing, checking out the acknowledgments and books that you like, checking out the list of agents, but basically, at a certain point, once you've nailed down a lot of this stuff, your idea, you're confident in your writing, you're confident that you know there's a you know a demand for this and you've got something unique to say, then you have to find an agent. And you almost certainly will, by the way, if you want traditional publishing. When we get to that topic, we might talk a little bit about there are some exceptions. People do get book deals without agents, but if you have a small platform and are fairly unknown, most bigger publishers these days do not take unsolicited pitches. They only take them from agents because they are the trusted gatekeepers these days. And by the way, there's a lot agents 
uh, there's just a lot of benefits to having an agent. So I think you would want one anyway, but yes. if you want to get published, certainly at a big five, but almost anywhere as a first time author, you will almost um, certainly need one. And to acquire an agent, you need a really good pitch for your book. So all of this is kind of leading to what, you know, a book proposal, what we call a book proposal in the industry. A lot of you listening to this, I'm almost certain that you've heard that term before. That is a document that is a preview of your book and you and all of this stuff that we've been talking about. You're going to write about your idea. You're going to write about competitive titles and show that you know the market and talk about your competitors. You're going to do your outline, which is where your book map comes in. And you talk about exactly what's going to be in your book, how you're going to communicate that information to your reader, talk about the transformation your reader is going to experience. And uh, when you submit that to agents, you're going to need a great pitch, which usually comes in the form of a query letter, which is a condensed version to some degree of that proposal. So the pitch is just like, hey, agent, here's my here's me. Here's my idea. If you want a 50 page document more, here's my book proposal. And if if agents read that, you know, two to three paragraph pitch and they like it, they will ask you for a proposal, which has a lot more information on on uh, on your idea, including, by the way, uh, sample chapters that you will write. So all of this is sort of rolled up into getting an agent. We heard about the importance of having a strong proposal from Stephen Rubin in episode nine. Stephen Rubin was really impressing upon us that you have to have an amazing book proposal to catch an agent's attention, but also to catch a publisher's attention. And a well-written book proposal is a piece of art in its own in its own right. You know, it is a big document usually. You know, often the book proposals that we write are 50 or more pages. They're long documents. And they take a specific skill set. They're not easy to write, but they are so important for representing your idea and your work to a potential publishing partner. The other thing that you really need to work on is making connections and building that strong network. So we talked about in episode eight, you know, having a strong network is one of the best things that you can do to get a book deal is, you know, knowing people who know people is a very powerful force. And the more you can do to build that network and create goodwill amongst the people that you know to help you make those introductions and then on the marketing side to help promote your work, the best advocates for your work are going to be the people who know you and like you. Those people are going to not feel that it's a burden or really an ask to help get your your work out into the world, they're going to feel like, oh yes, of course. I'm so excited to represent your book. I want to tell my audience about your book because I know you and trust you and like you. And the only way that they're going to do that is if you get to know them and you make those connections and you invest in building those relationships. That's such a huge and undervalued component of getting published. Definitely. And lastly, you will almost certainly find in your journey to traditionally publishing that you get rejected probably multiple times. There's almost nobody who's ever been traditionally published that hasn't experienced this in one way or another, whether it's from agents you want 
and then you acquire an agent and then it's from editors you want or publishing houses that you want or you've got both and you're committed to an idea and they want you to they reject that idea or even perhaps the stars align and you guys are all on the same page and you get your first choice of everything right up front you're going to write a whole book and you're going to get it back with lots and lots and lots of edits that say we don't like this (laughs) not exactly that's not what edits are but it can feel like rejection when they say cut this chapter and you're like wait a minute I just spent two months writing it. But at at the outset, you will almost certainly get rejected in some way by agents that you pitch and then eventually editors that you pitch. So it's an important part of getting published. It will only make you stronger. It will only make you better. You will often learn a lot from these rejections if you know the right questions to ask and if you are able to internalize some feedback and perhaps pivot when you get that feedback from the right and trusted people. And it's just a part of it. It's hungry authors have to be resilient. This almost always is a long journey. And at some point, somebody will reject your idea, your book. It will feel like they're rejecting you. And you're going to have to keep going. And you're going to have to believe in your work more than anybody else and then be wise about how you handle that feedback and let it make you better and get and improve with every pitch with every round of revisions with every new idea that comes up it can it can make you better if you let it but handling rejection is almost it's almost a skill you have to acquire yeah that's exactly right building up that tolerance and i love that word resilience it really really comes into play in the the game almost of getting traditionally published to some extent it's it's a numbers game and it's a how long can you last game <laughs> it's how much stamina do you have for going through this process and it's not easy and a lot of people decide at some point that they don't want to continue and that's totally valid totally fair um, and in that case you know there are other options like uh, self-publishing or hybrid publishing that might be better for you But if you are truly wanting to get traditionally published, you are going to have to increase your stamina. So what's the point of all of this and why, you know, we're, we're doing this new series. We want to make sure, you know, that platform is not an obstacle and there is a lot of work that goes into being traditionally published. So in the coming weeks, you're going to hear more about all of these pieces that we just covered. You're going to be hearing from us and from some of our friends across the industry. And we're very excited to share all this with you, Hungry Authors. Yeah. If you've ever had a dream to get traditionally published, stay tuned and spread the word and share it around because we're going to teach you how in the next few weeks. Thanks for being part of the Hungry Authors community. If you like this episode, could you do us a huge favor? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We would so appreciate it. You can also follow us on Instagram at hungryauthors or hungryauthors.com, our website, to get more information about our masterclasses and upcoming episodes. Remember that you have a story and a message worth publishing. And if you've got the hunger, you can make it happen. Thank you.